Section 30 of Revelations of a Wife. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Mary Rohde. Revelations of a Wife by Adele Garrison. Chapter 30 The Weeks That Followed. Grace Draper did not die. Thanks to the assiduous care of Dr. Pettit and the two trained nurses Dicky had provided, she gradually struggled up from the valley of the shadow of death in which she had lain to convalescence. As soon as she was able to travel, she went to the home of the relative in the country whom she had visited in the summer. One of the nurses went with her to see that she was settled comfortably, and upon returning reported that she was getting strong fast and in a month or two more would be her usual self again. Neither Dicky nor I had seen her before she left. Indeed, Dicky appeared to have taken an uncontrollable aversion to the girl since her attempt to kill him and herself and disliked hearing even her name mentioned. As for me, I had a positive dread of ever looking into the girl's beautiful false face again. It was Lillian who made all the necessary arrangements, both for the girl's stay in her own home and her transfer to the country. But between the time of my mother-in-law's arrival at our house in Marvin and the departure of Grace Draper from Lillian's home lay an interval of a fortnight in which what we all considered the miraculous happened. My mother-in-law grew to like Lillian Underwood. For the first three or four days after the ultimatum which I had given her that she should respect our guests if she stayed in our house, she was like a sulky child. She kept to her room, affecting fatigue, and demanded her meals be carried up to her by Katie. Of course Lillian and Harry wanted to go away at once, but Dicky and I overruled them. I was resolved to see the thing through. I felt that if my mother-in-law did not yield her prejudices at this time, she never would, and that I would simply have to go through the same thing again later. Lillian saw the force of my reasoning and agreed to stay, although I knew that the sensitive delicacy of feeling which she concealed beneath her rough and ready mask made her uncomfortable in a house which held such a disapproving element as my mother-in-law. Then one day the little god of chance took a hand. Harry and Dicky had gone to the city. It was Katie's afternoon off, and she and Jim, who had become a regular caller at our kitchen door, had gone away together. Mother Graham was still sulking in her room, and Lillian was busy in Dicky's improvised studio with some drawings and jingles which were rush order. The day was a wonderful autumn one, and I felt the need of a walk. I think I will run down to the village, I said to Lillian. This is the day the candy kitchen makes up the fresh toasted marshmallows. I think we could use some, don't you? Lovely, agreed Lillian enthusiastically. I don't think Mother Graham will come out of her room while I'm gone, I went on. Just keep an eye out for her if she should need you. She'd probably bite me if I offered her any assistance, returned Lillian, laughing but I'll look out for her. But when I came back with the marshmallows, after a longer walk than I had intended, I found Lillian sitting by my mother-in-law's bedside, watching her as she slept. 
When she saw me, she put her finger to her lips and stole softly out into the hall. She had a slight heart attack while you were gone, and I was fortunate enough to know just what to do for her. It was not serious at all. She is perfectly all right now, and she hesitated and smiled a bit. I do not think she dislikes me any more. Oh, I'm so glad, I exclaimed, ecstatically hugging her. Everything will come out all right now. During the rest of the Underwood stay, it seemed as if my words had come true. The ice once broken, my mother-in-law's heart thawed perceptibly toward Lillian. By the time the day came when Harry and Lillian left us to go back to their apartment, the elder Mrs. Graham had so far gotten over her prejudices as to bid Lillian a reluctant farewell and express a sincere wish that she might soon see her again. Toward Harry Underwood, my mother-in-law's demeanor remained rigid. She treated him with formal, icy politeness, which irritated Dicky, but appeared greatly to amuse Mr. Underwood. He took delight in paying her the most elaborate attentions, laying fresh nosegays of flowers at her plate at each meal. If he had been a lover besieging a beautiful girl's heart, he could not have been more attentive, while he was absolutely impervious to all the chilling rebuffs she gave him. I think that the touch of malice, which is always a part of this man's humor, was gratified by the frigid annoyance which the elder Mrs. Graham exhibited toward his attentions. At any rate, he kept them up until the very hour of his departure. It was when he happened to be alone with me on the veranda a few moments before the coming of the taxi, which was to bear them to their homeward train, that he gave me the real explanation of his conduct. "'Tell me, loveliest lady,' he said with the touch of exaggeration, which his manner always holds toward me, "'tell me, haven't I squared up part of your account with the old girl this last week?' "'Why, what do you mean?' I stammered. "'Don't pretend such innocence,' he retorted. "'If you want me to tell you in so many words, "'I beg leave to inform you "'that I've been doing my little best "'to annoy your august mother-in-law "'to pay her off for her general cussedness toward you, "'and incidentally me.' "'But she hasn't been cross to me,' I protested. "'Not the last three or four days, perhaps, "'but I'll bet you've had quite a dose "'since she came to live at your house.' "'and you'll have another if she ever finds out my wicked designs upon you.' "'He smiled mockingly and took a step nearer to me. "'Don't forget you owe me a kiss,' he said with teasing maliciousness, "'referring to the time when he had threatened to kiss me under water. "'Don't you think you had better give in to me now?' "'Dicky's step in the hall prevented my rebuking him as I wished.' I told myself that, of course, his persistent reference to that kiss was simply one of mockery, and I also admitted to myself that as much as I loved Lillian, I was glad that her husband was to be no longer a guest in our house. End of chapter 30